Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Friday. Thank goodness. It's Friday, November the 10th. It is the day that the federal government will be observing Veterans Day. We've got a veteran story for you today. Federal government may be observing it as a, as a holiday, but they are also trying to observe you physically. They are trying to get, get their eyes on veterans because obviously people who served in our military are the most problematic. They're the most troubling members of our society, people that we cannot trust, right? That's great. We love it. Uh, it's Friday, which means it's Friendly Friday, which means I'm going to be bringing on my buddy, Steve Friend. We'll do that right after we say thanks to one of our sponsors, folks. We should have um, should have a good time today. Steve and I have been hanging out. And also, you know what? I loaded this up. Some people know. You never notice that there's some people that just say your name and you're like, that guy should do my intro. That's the guy that I want to do it. Check this guy out. You never know. You ever heard this guy? Kyle Serafin. Kyle Serafin. I've loaded it on my soundboard now because the suspendables, whenever I say something, uh, Garrett O'Boyle will send me a little video of Seb Gorka saying my name over and over Kyle again. Kyle Serafin. I don't know why. Kyle Serafin. I can't help it. It's, it's my favorite. It's my favorite way that somebody says my name uh, in the same way that my buddy likes to say certain words in Spanish and he'll never say them in English. Like he always says guitarra instead of guitar. Uh, yeah, some people should do it right. So let's do our first sponsor. Let's say thanks to Catholic Vote. We're going to pull them up. Folks, if you're not getting the loop, you are missing out on the loop. You're not getting looped in. You can loop yourself in by putting your email in the main webpage at catholicvote.org, and then you can just scroll through and you can get it, or you can just show up and click on the little uh, tab up there that says the loop. Today's got some great information on there about Joe Manchin, um, the fake not, the definitely not centrist, the definitely leftist Joe Manchin, not going to be running again, so they won't have that ally, or whatever you want to call him. Uh, you still got people that are attacking uh, Tommy Tuberville about his abortion stance. Do you guys know that the story there? Apparently, it's not that he won't approve line item individuals that are looking for promotion and need congressional approval. It's that he won't approve all of them as a blanket suite, including a bill that has some amendments uh, about abortion. So it's very disingenuous, as usual. We are not getting the full story. That's the way that the uh, the per certain parts of the news will cover it. And um, go to Catholic Vote. You'll get a better little look at it. Okay, let's bring on my buddy, Steve Friend, author, fellow at the Center for Renewing America. What else is he? Uh, founding Suspendable. Do we want to bring Steve Friend on? We could do that. Where is he? There he is. He's got a hat on. He's got, he's got Suspendable's merch. Hey, what's going on, brother? He's got. I'm very excited to be here after a two week hiatus from Friendly Friday. And for those viewing, you get to see my new toy that I get to play with now that we realize that the iPhone camera is the reason that we got the ghost thumbs up a couple weeks ago when Steve Baker joined us on Friendly Friday. Do you, do you want to tell him how stupid we were when we figured this thing out last night? <laughs> We, yeah, we were doing kind of a bro session on Roll Call that you do every week, Thursday evenings, 6 p.m. Eastern, Badlands Media on Rumble with Alpha Warrior. Uh, I joined you with GOB Actual, and we just kind of did a roundtable. Uh, we were talking about police state. And at one point, I was discussing how I did a scene in that movie where I had the phone to my ear, and I replicated that. And in doing that, put my thumb up, and the iPhone camera thought it was a thumb up and popped over the ghost the ghost thumbs up emoji and we all lost our minds 
And then we started to play with the different hand signals that you can do. We realized that the Richard Nixon gives us some confetti. And uh, I, I, I don't have this. Half, I have a real camera. Your Nixon gives yeah. us balloons. <laughs> I want laser beams shooting out of my eyes like uh, Dark Brandon. I got to figure that one out. All right. So we'll figure it out. But uh, for those of you that are using an iPhone and didn't realize that there are all kinds of little, um, what is it? A AI reg pattern recognition of hands. That's what was going on. So we have uh, solved the NSA ghost thumb. And it is just Apple spying on you, which Apparently, is nice Apparently, the NSA is only spying on Garrett with the AT&T truck. Yeah, we'll see about that one, huh? That's pretty weird stuff. Uh, it's always nice when you find out that there's a surveillance ban outside of your house. Um, not doing anything wrong. Going to keep doing what we're doing. Uh, it's going to actually play into some of the stories we're going to talk about. I want to lead off today. Uh, how many years were you on FBI SWAT when you were working for the Bureau? Five years. Okay, five years on that. And... Did you ever work with the Newark team at all? No, uh, even in SWAT basic school, I don't know if there was even a Newark guy there. It's not a big team, but it does have a storied history within the FBI in some ways because of some of the awful things that have happened. Um, let's let's cover down on what's going on. There's a manhunt underway right now for a guy that is accused of spraying pepper spray from a decent-sized canister three years ago on January 6th. And we got some video of that, so we're going to play some of the Newark team kind of unrolling. Maybe you can uh, unpack it for people what they're seeing here. Let's do video number one, Ryan. I'm going to kick right into this thing. Let's go FBI SWAT right off the gate and uh, go ahead and roll that video. This all unfolded in Halmeda, New Jersey, in Middlesex County. CBS 2's Christy Kalishian has the latest from the scene. Armed FBI agents in camo, members of the Joint Terrorism Task Force, and search dogs parked in front of Gregory Yetman's Main Street home in Helmetta Wednesday night. Several hours into the all-day search in the sky and the ground for him, Frank Sanford across the street had the FBI at his door in the morning asking if he and his wife knew anything. It was a little crazy. My wife called me. She goes, I don't know what's going on. She looked at SWAT vehicle and this vehicle and dogs. And Officials say Yetman ran from his house, hopping a fence Wednesday morning when he was being served a warrant for his alleged participation in the storming of the Capitol. Behind that fence, train tracks, leading to a heavily wooded area that's been combed through all day. The plan is for heightened police presence this evening. We have our command posts at the Helmetta Community Center. We're still hoping to you know, attain him this evening. The FBI put out these pictures of Yetman from January 6th, when hundreds stormed the Capitol. Later on Wednesday night, the FBI spoke with people inside Yetman's home. Helmetta is less than a square mile long and doesn't even have a traffic light. Mayor Slavicek reassuring its approximately 3,200 residents, keep doors locked and stay vigilant. Keep doors locked, stay vigilant. Uh, let's talk about FBI manhunts using SWAT. First of all, how do you feel about that uh, perimeter containment they must have done as this guy apparently made it over the back wall and then disappeared? What do you think? I guess they didn't contact the locals because that was above their pay grade. They had no need to know that this vile, vicious, murderous terrorist who... Uh, I, I don't know, sprayed pepper spray three years ago and apparently hasn't committed a crime since. Certainly warranted an early morning raid as the FBI's want to do. You never could just call him on the phone and say, surrender. Uh, and then I also enjoy the fact that he ran away and the FBI, because they didn't have containment, didn't chase after him. And I, I believe I read somewhere that the reason for that was because he could have been armed and they didn't want to put themselves at risk. So the 
the people who have the guns are, are too afraid. So they call the SWAT guys and they get to use the NVGs for the first time ever. Uh, it reminds me of a scene in Aladdin. Do you remember that movie, the animated movie? It's my favorite. Okay, in the beginning, and they're doing the one jump scene, and so they're like, it's gotta be one jump ahead of the bad guy, one jump ahead of the thing, right? He's doing them. And then at some point in time, the bad guys are gonna catch him, and uh, Abu, the monkey, like draws a sword from one of the dudes, and his pants falls down, and then he's like, ah! And he holds the swords out, right? And there's 15 bad guys that are 50 times as big as the monkey. And they go, he's got a sword. He's got a and sword. then the other guy goes, you idiots, they, you all have swords. And they draw them, then they run after the monkey. Um, a guy running away who might be armed and scares off the agents who have guns. For me, that's the Abu the monkey moment. I don't know if that, that'll probably always be in your head from here on out, but it makes me laugh whenever I think about Appropriate. It. And fun fact about Aladdin, you know that Aladdin was drawn to uh, look like Tom Cruise, right? I did not know that. Is that true? Try to unsee that. <laughs> I'm sure it's true. That makes good. I mean, he was he was he was the king back then, right? Uh, who who wanted more? Uh, you know, you, you, there was the best movie stars you were going to have, and Tom Cruise had to be at the top of the list. So yeah, drawing a Tom. Cruise. Yeah, I mean, today that would be cultural appropriation, but back in those days, Agrabah, uh, you know, this full of a lot of a lot of white people in some <laughs> territory. Uh, and I, I think and Robin a, Williams a is the genie is always really funny too. <laughs> you think about it, and you're like, if you're like, what do you think a Middle Eastern uh, jinn or genie would be like? You'd be like, probably Robin Williams on and, cocaine. And the princesses would definitely have midriffs. And sure. uh, yeah, they were doing nineties. The they were like, what would Britney Spears wear dressed like that, or Britney Spears dressed like them? Um, I don't know. I just like the monkey image holding everybody off. This guy goes uh, running off, no containment. Uh, your original protected disclosure had to do with things just like this. Maybe you can kind of elaborate on that for folks. We're kind of doing a lot of touching the, the original bases right now because a lot of the stuff is coming back into focus, which we're going to cover in a minute as well. So maybe run about that. Well, one of the original disclosures I came out with was specific to my office where it was in Daytona Beach. We were going to send a SWAT team to go arrest a January 6th subject. He was alleged to have, and there was a warrant cut for his arrest for a felony. And they were going to send the SWAT team in, but he had told the guys who interviewed him 18 months prior that he would cooperate. And that was the last contact that he had had with the FBI. And I came forward and I said, look, he has no reason to expect us to knock on his door at six o'clock in the morning, especially when he said he would cooperate. So banging on his door, I'm a husband and a father. If I don't believe that law enforcement's going to be there, I'm going to come to the door armed. This could be very easily a Waco type scenario where he gets hurt or killed or somebody in his family does, or one of our people get hurt, or maybe the community itself, because it was pretty rural area. There's going to be a lot of make America great again and Gadsden flags flying. They might just turn on us and then we're outnumbered. I could just itemize a list of potential problems that were easily mitigated when we could just pick up the phone and tell him there was a warrant for his arrest. He could surrender. We could send a local law enforcement officer. We could do the surveillance interdiction that you did where he goes to work and you pick him up on his way when he stops off to get some gas. There's a whole host of uh, tools at our disposal to arrest him, but the FBI immediately deferred to the heavy-handed tactic because the process is the punishment. And there's something to be said about the fact that the FBI doesn't really learn lessons from the way that it's supposed to be done, which is to say that in 2020, we had two agents that were killed and another one that was injured pretty, pretty badly in uh, a child search warrant, a, a child porn search warrant. This is out of the Miami field office. So this goes down where basically they could have done the surveillance to arrest. They knew that this guy on a regular basis would walk out of his house. He would simply walk to work and he was unarmed. At least he didn't have a long gun. 
And instead, what they chose to do was go and see if they could bang on his door at 5 a.m. and lie about being local cops, get into a negotiation in front of a big plate glass window. And a female agent and a male agent were both killed by all accounts, really good people. And a, a third was injured, was able to return fire and return file directly into the uh, the windowsill, which was made out of concrete. It was like a, a cinder block windowsill. And so dropped down, didn't understand the mechanical offset between the uh, the, the optic and the rifle barrel. So all of those things where they were like, oh, rather than do the thing that is safest, what we call TSI, tactical surveillance to interdiction, why do rather than do that, we just need to send SWAT. We just need to roll people that have more armor and more guns. We need to have like a bigger group of people to take down the monkey. Um, kind of, kind of awful. Kind of an awful way. Like, why, why do, why are they so backwards? Do you think? Uh, and and what is the, what is the culture that continues that? Because I constantly wonder what that is. Well, I think that there's an element of we need to bring the Democles sword of justice down on these insurrectionists that come from management levels. Hmm. I think there's also a concern that they have the domestic terrorist label and you don't want to brief to the seventh floor of the Hoover building that you did anything other than send the SWAT team because they're super, uber dangerous. And then I always lean back on my former SDL made a comment to me, a senior team leader on my SWAT team, about this mindset that's now infected the FBI at large, and you're no longer a case agent. So the, the case agent is what you see on TV and the movies where they investigate the bad guy and they're they're doing all the work necessary, collecting the evidence, doing the interviews, chasing after him, and eventually they put the handcuffs on them and then, then very Hollywood fashion, they read the Miranda, even though they're not going to interrogate them. <laughs> but now you're a case manager. Right. And when you're a case manager, you're moving the chess pieces around the board. So evidence collection, you send the evidence team. Surveillance, you send the surveillance guys. And when it comes time to make the arrest, you send the default arrest guys who are perceived to be SWAT because they have the advanced tools and theoretically advanced training, and they're going to go and bring the person into custody for you. You don't actually have to leave your cubicle. It's, it's very much like this automated thing that we're seeing in the journalist community where they don't go out and knock on doors anymore and conduct interviews. They just kind of peruse Twitter and get comments and quotes and then draft this their tweet said piece this, for the day. This tweet said this, and this is my story because all I did was go through Twitter. Um, it reminds me, it's not like this at all, but it, it reminds me of what people might see in like the Jason Bourne movies where they're chasing down Jason Bourne all over God's green earth. They send the minion who's the super trained hyper assassin guy. And then uh, you've got like Edward Norton and he's back there like quarterbacking it, like yelling at different people that are sitting at computer terminals with all the dark screens and all that kind of stuff. And so that's the idea that the FBI is moving towards like the Edward Norton case manager. He's not physically going to bring anybody into custody, but he's going to act like he's the guy quarterbacking. In reality, you're sitting in like a very well lit room with, you know, fluorescent lights that are not very nice and a crappy cubicle and a computer from four years ago or five years ago. That's brand new to you. And that's what you're trying to run the uh, the case from. I want I want people yeah. to understand. Let, let me Your say this: FBI though. office looks a lot like office space. Oh, well, for sure. Yeah, I mean it's federal bu office building. Have you ever been into a federal? You know what the the worst federal office buildings I've ever been to were all postal buildings, which is maybe why they're so miserable. I actually did an interview at the office of the Inspector General for the VA. I was looking to get out of the FBI um, as I was suspended, and I'm like, maybe I can find another route. And so I went to. OIG of the VA, beautiful office, right next to the federal courthouse, walked out 50 yards. There was a massive waterfall out running through the middle of the Spokane, uh, the city of Spokane. If you guys have never been to Spokane, it's one of the prettiest cities in America. 
And then I went and I drove across town to where the airport was. And then I went over to the postal inspector service and I was like, oh, the ceiling tiles have mold on them. It's crappy. It looks exactly what you'd expect, like the postal service to have. And I was like, I don't think I want to work here. This is not good. It's almost, it's somewhere in between those two. It's almost never as nice as what uh, VA OIG has. It's almost closer to the postal service. But I want you to read, we're going to read through the charges that this guy has against him. Uh, This is coming out of the New York Times. Uh, It says, Yetman is charged with assaulting resisting or impeding officers, that's charge number one, engaging in physical violence on a restricted building or grounds, number two, physical violence, I love this one, this is vague, physical violence in the Capitol grounds or buildings and other charges. And there's a $10,000 award or uh, request I'm sorry, <laughs> man, it's been, it, it was a long day yesterday. It's a, there's a $10,000 reward for his arrest or information that leads there too. So what would he like right now? Do you think he's on the run? He's moving around. We're going to do a sponsor. Watch this segue. You ready? Uh, stand by. Here we go. Let's talk about fourpatriots.com, the number fourpatriots.com. There is our newest sponsor. You can go to fourpatriots.com slash Kyle, or you can just use the promo code Kyle to run through and get a, a discount on any of the uh, the hearty meals they have, the survival foods. I can tell you this, unless this guy had a go ruck ready to run, and maybe he did. I mean, he was a National Guardsman. We can talk a little bit about his background, uh, a prior uh, military police officer. But uh, yeah, you're going to want to have some food if you're on the run. If you are running from the Bureau because you are a medium violent, engaged in spraying <laughs> with your uh, with your pepper spray two and a half, three years ago, you're going to want to have some of this stuff in your go bag. So what can you get? You can get the uh, three-month survival plan right there. This is for an entire family, by the way. This is three months of survival food, the Platinum XL kit. Check out any of their stuff on there. They also have all kinds of neat little tools for power and, and solar for water purification. This is good for camping. It's good for survival. It's good for uh, you never know when, and they have a 25-year guarantee on their products to be able to keep that food capable of eating it for a very long time. You never know when the FBI might show. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition and nonviolent offenders or people that engaged in pepper spray probably don't expect the FBI SWAT team at their door. So go to fourpatriots.com slash Kyle or use just promo code Kyle when you check out their website. Was that a professional segue for you? Did you feel good about that? It was, man. It it got my mental juices flowing because I just can't help but think of this guy, a la Eric Rudolph, running into the woods who three years ago concocted a scheme where he said, I'm going to try to take over the government with pepper spray. But if that fails, I'm going to have all these drop MRE kits in the woods and go on the lam and survive like Eric Rudolph did for a number of years because, again, the FBI really stinks at manhunts, which is why it went immediately to its favorite tool, we'll give you money if you turn them in. Did they, uh, is there a Tommy Lee Jones character from U.S. Marshals or from The Fugitive that works at the FBI, you think? Oh, man. If there is, I ne- never came across him in my time. That sounds like a really fun job, though. I mean, you get to go run through sewer pipes and watch guys take a nosedive off it and immediately I fly care. out. I'm, th- I mean, tell them. You don't care. Between Point Break and The Fugitive, like, that's what most people think that federal agents do, right? I mean, that's in the back of your mind when you click apply. Uh, but you never really right. get to experience Ray jacket, that. You just running through the, the the like someone's gonna have to buy me a new suit because I'm running through the water. I'm yeah, wrestle, tumble with guys on the beach or something, and bring them in, cuff them, and they're gonna be, cuffing is not nearly as easy as they make it look like. Once no. people get tackled, and when they I get frustrated, I can just roll on my back and throw rounds directly into the air indiscriminately. That's my favorite. My Johnny Utah is awesome. Uh, silly, funny story. One of my buddies who is um, in an office that I'm not gonna name. He got there, brand new agent, 
my kind of guy, as you can imagine, kind of a little bit uh, sarcastic and pretty pretty silly sometimes. And so he goes up to his new boss and he just goes, um, I can't remember if it was 4th of July coming up or Cinco de Mayo. There was some kind of a holiday coming up. And he goes, who do I talk to about getting an extra box of ammo for the celebratory mag dumps? <laughs> and the boss looks at him and he's like, what? And he was like, I assume that uh, we participate in the local tradition of just, you know, like emptying the mag into the sky. So who do I talk about uh, swapping out duty ammo and, and to get another box? And he's like, man, are you being, I, well, when I can you imagine how that would a, go over? Like, like the lead balloon that would go over in every single supervisor you've ever had? Yes. I mean, I mean, you're immediately, well, you should have your security clearance suspended, right? Theoretically. We're going to talk um, about it. Question, questionable loyalty to the United States because you want to celebrate uh, Cinco de Mayo, which is a Mexican holiday. But there's actually more. Uh, there's more juice in that than the reasons that they removed you and I from the. Bureau. It is right. <laughs> like that right? comment I, is actually more investigatable. It'd be like, what is this guy all about? Uh, he wants to throw. He wants to throw rounds into the air. I guess we didn't train him well. That would actually be a better, a better reason to investigate somebody. I think it's worth noting if you want to dump a celebratory mag, you should do it with twenty two because the. ATF, as you said last night, can't trace those. So you'll be good to go. Can't and don't. Uh, 100% true. So let's do the second video here because we got another video. These are some of the SWAT tactics. I'm just going to be watch it and make comment on it if you don't mind. This is a helicopter looking at it. So uh, let's roll video number two, Ryan. We'll get more comment on this poor guy that's on the lamb right now. Trying to stay out of the gulag, I guess. Like, I'm not crazy about him fighting with cops. I also think that people should be given an opportunity to turn themselves in when they have shown otherwise that they probably would. So here's this guy's, uh, here's the tactics the FBI wants to use. Go ahead and run that video. We're really patrolling the whole property, looking for the suspect, yet to find that uh, suspect. And again, the FBI is asking that if you know anything about the location of Gregory Yetman, please call the FBI field office in Newark at 973-792-3000. And live in Middlesex County, Tom's Wire, Chapter 4. Adam, back to you. Okay, yeah, we see that tactical team armed there going in to search a shed in Middlesex County. Tom's Wire, over the scene in Chopper 4. Thank you, Tom. We keep people posted. Did they... <laughs> Was he in the shed, you think? <laughs> the shed. I, I mean, it was an accurate description. It was a tactical team that was armed trying to go into a shed. Not well. What was that tool that <laughs> they, they were, were using to, to, to bash out all the uh, the glass of the door? That was a bang pole uh, because you, it's bent that way so you can uh, break glass that might be uh, above your head at a second floor mm -hmm. and wrap around. And then you pull a um, you pull a lever on the very end of it, the back end of it, and you can drop a flashbang into an upper floor window. Uh, it's it's a useful tool to rake, but obviously not for tarps. It's not case. designed for tarps. So um, I, I've seen the ones that they made. I think the uh, the Phoenix, one of the Phoenix SWAT officers, not from SWAT, but from like a real SWAT team that was a, a local team. He's divided. Uh, there's a thing called uh, Shield Spike. You ever use those? No, I'm, maybe we call it something different because the FBI it's, loves it's like a curved. It's a curved. Um, it looks almost like a tire iron, and it actually goes into the shield and it snaps onto the shield. But you can use it, and it's a glass breaking tool. And then they have some other like enormous ones. He created a whole line of tools, but one of them is like this. Like it looks like a, a medieval scythe, like you see uh, the Grim Reaper hold, and it's meant for specifically going through plate glass window. And it looks a lot like what that was. But that's a bang pole. I love that idea. I, I was a shield guy, uh, which was a funny story because we we had a good. Um, pattern on our team where the senior team leader didn't like guys to be kind of pigeonholed. Oh, you're always holding rear perimeter. They would try to let guys, this time you're going in on the entry team, this time you're not. Um, but then I always found that I was on shield every single uh, and because <laughs> uh, the shield covered, first, like, new covered guy, most like, of hey, you. I'm going in, right? I'm first one in. And then you realize I don't have a gun up. And if we get into a shooting, my um, ears are going to be rocked. 
And I don't know if they want me to die because this is the most vulnerable you can be. And I kind of brought that in like, do you guys want me to die or something? And they said, honestly, Steve, you're the smallest operator. So the shield theoretically protects you more than anybody else. And at that point, I just kind of embraced the sock. And uh, I would really have liked to have a sigh with my shield. That would have been pretty epic. Well, the, the, the original design of this particular tool, like I said, it's a tire iron. It's a 90 degree steel device with a, with a glass break point and it would snap into the shield so that as your arm is up and you're holding it, it actually would go like this. So your free arm could grab it. You could tap out glass around it. It would reach around the shield so you were never exposed. It would tap and break glass, and then you could snap it back into its little holder, and you could still draw your pistol. So that was the way they designed this thing, and uh, it looks really effective. Uh, I actually own the small version, which goes on a plate carrier. I bought them because my buddy was like, oh, these are really good. I, I like them, and I've used them. I went through some SWAT training with a couple guys that were um, in Maryland's uh, PD. Actually, coincidentally enough, the guys that I hung out with on January 6th of 2021 were the ones who recommended it. They were friends with the guy who designed that tool. And uh, they were like, yeah, you should have this. Like if you're on a surveillance team and you may have to go door to door and and, and smack in, uh, you know, any glass or something like that, you want to be able to take out windows because windows are a big problem to be able to clear uh, vehicles, which, you know, you know, if they're if they're tinted out and stuff. Interestingly enough, I'm going to bring something up. No one no one knows this outside of the FBI, as far as I know. So this is a you and a me thing right now. Do you know the story of Barry Bush? Barry Bush. Why, it sounds really familiar to me. You're going to have to refresh me. All right. So we're going to pull up this. Uh, Ryan, will you pull up the uh, the FBI article on Barry Bush for me? Uh, we just sent it over. I think it was number four. The uh, This is from the FBI's archives. Nope. That's Newsweek. Uh, there it is. Barry Lee Bush. Okay. He was an FBI agent killed in the line of duty in 2007. Okay. I'm going to read his story. This is what the FBI says. Special Agent Barry Lee Bush was shot and killed on April 5th, 2007 in Readington, New Jersey. While working on a criminal investigation into a series of armed bank robberies in central New Jersey, he and his team were in pursuit of heavily armed serial bank robbers who were believed to be responsible for four bank robberies. The suspects had allegedly fired their assault weapons inside two banks. Special Agent Bush was killed during the attempt to arrest these subjects. What do you take away from that? Sounds like he was doing his job. Um, you know, you never know if there was some sort of tactical error where they went in, but yep. that FBI has responsibility for handling bank robberies. Pursuing violent crime should be a uh, prime, should be a primary thing the FBI does. Okay, and sounds unfortunate. Who does it sound like, like kills him? Sounds like the bad guys killed him. You ready for the real story? Yeah. He was killed by Special Agent Kevin Waller, who was a probationary agent on SWAT, carrying a rifle that was an M4 pattern, AR pattern, uh, that he hadn't he hadn't qualified on yet. And he shot Barry Bush because Barry stepped out of his vehicle to engage the subjects in some way, and or he was uh, moving in. He was on SOG, on surveillance, just like me. He was on a surveillance team. And this is one of the things that all the surveillance guys always had. There's an adversarial relationship between SOG and SWAT, simply because SWAT was known, in this case, to have killed one of our guys. And that was the Newark team. Now, obviously it goes back, it probably predates most of the guys that you're seeing on that ground there. But FBI SWAT has killed members of the FBI specifically because they don't have good tactics and historically they did a really bad job. Do you know what the correction was? You're gonna love this because I actually brought the correction. The, the, the solution to the problem of friendly fire, untrained operator shooting a guy in the head who was a surveillance agent, guess what it was? Um, remedial training would probably qualify, but they probably gave the guy uh, a sash to, to 
no, you know, notify. There you go. Hat, same thing. <laughs> have you, have uh, you a bright yellow hat that says police on it that have you could you probably pick up? Ever at, seen this hat? No, never have. And you were on SWAT for five years. Correct. Did you have surveillance Correct. teams that were out of your office? Uh, no, no. Uh, not out of the, the RA, but out of the main office where there are SOG teams there? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's surveillance. Okay. So what we're saying is the solution that the FBI came up with to save the life of surveillance agents was this hat. It's given across to every single SOG team in the country, all 300 agents or so that do surveillance. By the way, look what it says on the back. SOG, that's how you know it's real. You've wow. never seen it. So would you even know? No. Would you know not to shoot Barry Bush with that hat on? No, I mean, it's something that you could just pick up at the mall, right? It says, generally says police, like something that says like security on it. You could pick it up at Amazon. There's no sort of uniqueness to it. And I would have no reasonable expectation that it would, the word police would mean, oh, that's one of ours. And again, this is just I've shown inventing this, a solution, trying to find a problem. I've shown this to uh, SWAT agents all over the country. And whenever I showed it to them, none have ever seen it before. So what the FBI does was they're like, oh, well, we bought the hat. So you guys are safe now. You're not going to get shot by uh, SWAT. Anyway, this is, a, this is a point of contention for people that are in the bureau that did the job that I used to do. FBI sending in SWAT can be more dangerous, not just to the subject, but also to the agents that are doing the job. It's a it's a real liability, and and there it is right there. That's that's the solution that that never got briefed to you. It makes me concerned that they're out there running around in the woods after this guy because it's not what they're trained to do. No, we we were never briefed on that at all. In fact, when we went and did the Whitmer takedown, uh, there were these guys that were surveillance. I guess they were local task force officers that came in. And we were in this uh, behind this church, a whole conga line of of Bearcats and other vehicles waiting to deploy because we actually did a night op. And these guys rolled in that were local and they kind of briefed us up on it. And then they left and we and we all realized, like, do, do we know if they're legit? Like that they, they just rolled in here and didn't give us any credentials. What if they're, because at that point we thought it was a legitimate terrorist organization. Like I was like, did, did they just infiltrate us because they penetrated our lines because they might have comms that are that good? Like no verification at all. And certainly you know, a, a hat that said police. <laughs> was never presented to us and they were in in effect going to be there in the dark at nighttime so that probably would have been something they, they should have said if you look like you belong there and you act like you belong there and you talk like you belong there then people often assume that you belong there there's a reason why you can actually talk your way into all kinds of crazy stuff i found out that uh, at one point in time there was some guy that had been flying on airlines carrying a weapon with a fake badge because he had stolen the book of uh, of you fan codes and he was able to go and do that for something like two or three years, pretending to be a U.S. Marshal. Was his name Frank Abagnale? <laughs> no, but he was basically pulling pulling the catch me if you can routine where he looked legit and he showed a badge and he knew what the the requirements were. He'd seen enough federal agents go in behind the uh, behind the curtain. And so he was flying around armed all over the country. Didn't do anything wrong. I mean, didn't do anything dangerous to anybody. He obviously broke federal law by carrying a gun on there. He was eventually I mean, arrested I, with the book. I get but, the warm fuzzy more about that guy because he did recon than most FBI agents flying armed. <laughs> So true. He demonstrated at least some aptitude and some forward <laughs> thinking and preparation. Uh, I mean, how many times did most FBI agents shoot a year? You know this one. Yeah, some of them would go and get all of their quals done at the same time. They would do four it four days once. in a row. Yep. Yeah. So, and and you do that, and you could actually stack your fitness fitness test 
for one week apart and then be good for two years. So anybody who saw our interview with Kurt was uh, will probably realize this too. I I used to go and shoot every month if I could, and and I usually had time to. I'd make time to. I would do it. You know, if I had to work later, so be it. But it's not like I just like went and shot and then I was like, now I'm off for the day. It's like if there's something to do, you go do it. If there's not, then you sit in the office, do whatever you got to do. But I literally would go out and try to catch the range time once a month because if your life comes down to pulling your weapon and using it, I pretty much want to be pretty current on it. I also used to do another thing that that a lot of people probably don't necessarily do. I would um, barehanded throw punches into my heavy bag in my garage when I worked in New Mexico. Every day before I left, I would go out to the garage and I'd throw 10 or 15 punches, barehanded, heavy bag. You know, it doesn't feel great on your knuckles. Like, you know, normally if I was going to do a real workout, I would do wraps and I would do gloves. But because I wanted to make sure that the first time that I hit something with all my force every day, was not going to be somebody's face or body or, you know, I wouldn't get into a fight and I hadn't thrown a punch that day. That was the mindset that I had. Um, that is not welcome in the FBI today, just for people's guess. Like, I, man, we're kindred spirits. So. That sounds like something they would want to get rid of. They'd be like, no, screw that guy. Uh, so when we would go um, on a SWAT operation, and I'm, I'm real regimented about my morning, you know, I get up early, I go for my run, and it just occurred to me, like, if there is the theoretically, this is going to be the most likely that I will have to engage in violence, that I will have to use my firearms, is on a SWAT operation, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to keep things as consistent as I can. I've already driven a long distance. I slept in a bed that wasn't mine. All these guys would go out together and eat dinner at a restaurant. I don't normally eat restaurant food. There's all Sometimes these you don't eat at all. Are... Let's just be real. You just go days <laughs> without eating. People should know I that. I mean, like half an almond and I'm good for the month. Uh, but I would think to myself, if I'm going to be most likely engaging in something that I'm going to need all of my skills that I, I, I've been developing and, and honing in, I want to keep things as consistent as I can and mitigate those differences. So all those things are different. I'm going to go to bed really early. I'm going to not go out to eat and eat food and then we'll have, uh, you know, have food poisoning. Theoretically, our whole team could go down from food poisoning. Uh, I'm going to pack a, a lunch with me. I'll eat it and then I'll go to bed. I'll get up really early. I'll go for my run. And then instead of rolling out of bed and, you know, scratching the dirt out of my eyes, and, and now I suit up like most guys were doing, I've been up for several hours. I'm alert. I'm ready to go. And when we bang on that door, it's game on. And after the fact, if we have to engage in a, in a shooting and they say, what was different about your day? I'm going to be able to say, I was very consistent with what I did because I'm a professional. And I was obviously ridiculed by that by by the team but by the time i left there were actually a couple other guys that didn't embrace that and it was sort of a a small cadre of us that were doing it. i think there was two or three other guys a lot of it is the legal consistency of it and knowing and the same thing it's like a lot of it is you can you can justify what you did you're like how hard did you hit them you're like about as hard as i hit my heavy bag every morning oh you hit the bag every morning you know that kind of thing <laughs> like i just want to be able to say like oh how often do you shoot i shoot every month how many dry fires do you do i do them every morning i consistently draw my weapon i present it i do it the same way i've got tens and tens and you know hundreds of thousands of reps maybe at this point uh, I do it every day. I literally every day, if I put my weapon on, I draw from it 10 times before I go out in the world. Why? Because I want people to know about. I want to be able to testify to the fact that I am consistent just the way you just said. I love that. This is why uh, we're brothers from other mothers, no doubt, that uh, we had the same mindset. And when we say the same problems, we saw similar solutions to them. Uh, a lot of this stuff is just really troubling. I've got some breaking news. I'm going to do that. And then we're going to go to one of our sponsors. Let's let's break this news right now. Folks, some of you may have seen that there are fentanyl-laced letters being sent all over the country. Steve, did you see the story yesterday? 
There, the I didn't. I didn't until you, you dropped it on me earlier. Okay, so there, there's fentanyl lace letters that are popping up, and they are showing up at like Secretary of State offices. Um, Georgia, Rathisberger got one. There's a, like probably something like a dozen letters now that have identified. The FBI is investigating it. The Postal Service investigators are also looking into it. We have sources now reporting to us and I don't think you're going to hear this anywhere else, that they come from a single point of entry, which is to say that all those letters, which are coming from all over the place, theoretically could come from all over the place locally and show a disperse uh, threat. They all come from a single source, and they all enter the U.S. Postal Service uh, system from a single point of entry in Portland, Oregon. And so we're telling you that right now. That's that's brand new as far as I can tell. I haven't seen it anywhere else uh, on social media. I went and combed over it. It doesn't look like that has been leaked out. But that is what's going on, which is to say that there is not a diverse threat of people. It is someone most likely in the Portland area or at least who traveled to Portland to send them. We'll figure out what that means later. Could it be a false flag? Someone trying to indicate that it's Antifa. A lot of these things are very, very threatening, saying there's no reason for Republicans to even touch a ballot box. There's no reason for them to ever try to uh, to evaluate them. It's coming from it's, it's, it's on the same vein as what we saw that crazy guy in yesterday's video, the vocal minority, where this dude comes out and he was like, if you try to steal my ballot, my election, you know, I'm going to hold you personally accountable. That mindset is actually percolating, not just in Northern Virginia, it sounds like, but also in Portland, Oregon, potentially this is a, like a, a sort of a loony leftist thing that is now going down the pipe. It's worth noting. So we'll keep an eye on the story. I think you guys should keep an eye on the story and we don't really break things here, except when someone shares something that nobody else is going to get out. I think, uh, I think members of the Postal Service or uh, or FBI in that area want to have that sort of exposed. And uh, so that's why they're bringing stuff to us. So I'm sharing it, doing my due diligence with you guys. It's uh, a person in a position to know, but not more than we're going to say about that. And, uh, you know, if we t- trust the sources, it should also kind of tell you something. Our reputation is not something we, we trade on very lightly. Go ahead, Steve. Uh, I'm just going to say uh, apologies to them because SECTI is probably going to walk you out now as a, a whistleblower or colluding with Kyle Serafin or Steve Friend, even though we don't know you at you, all. It, but, but it, good it on might you be for, worth, for putting that out. It might be worth investigating all the Antifa types in Portland first that I was sent there to go investigate that they didn't do anything about. That would be worthwhile to do, but uh, or not, or not. Yeah, I, hey, and look, I'll just throw this out there. I've been We've been holding this in reserve for a long time. Um, Security Division, again, appreciate the thumbs downs that you're giving us. A reminder to everybody, give the thumbs up, especially Friendly Friday. Give me a thumb up. Can you give me a thumb up? I'll give you one. How about that? And then thank you very much. Thanks, Sec D. There you go. Fireworks. And, uh, and Sec D, wh- why don't you look at Christopher Ray's governor bachelor pad in Northern Virginia? Who's his neighbor, by the way, that may or may not be a foreign actor who may or may not have given space for uh, the command post that's set up theoretically to protect him and may or not have been swept properly to see if there was any sort of way that messages to and from the director of the FBI might be intercepted by a hostile foreign government. Yeah, there's not a Chinese guy living next door to Chris Ray in his geo bachelor pad in uh, Washington, D.C. That's what we're saying. There's definitely not a Chinese guy who has an unvetted space that abuts the uh, director of the FBI's apartment that would not be something that would happen the fbi would never allow such a thing correct no i mean you definitely don't need to look at that from a security perspective like there's nothing sensitive that could be going into the fbi director's phone or computer system that he theoretically has on him there correct and chinese nationals are not suspect when they live right next to people who hold one of the highest clearances and the highest amount of access in the U.S. government. I totally agree with you. This is not a problem that anybody should worry about. You should definitely worry about veterans and people that may be disloyal to the United States because they don't want to get COVID shots. We'll talk about that just in a second. Uh, First, 
Throw me on the screen here, Ryan. Look what I got. I got I got a new Patriot cooler. This is the 16-ounce coffee mug. I just ordered this one up. I also ordered two 19-ounce coffee mugs, one for me and one for my wife. Guys, let me just give you the straight dough. First of all, patriotcoolers.com. Promo code Kyle gets you 10% off. Patriotcoolers.com. They say Patriot on the handle right here on this one. Uh, the other ones have it written around the, the, the bottom. Uh, I'm a big fan of these cups. They're really clean. This one is too big to fit in most cars. Uh, what do you call them? Cup holders. So you don't want the smaller one. There's a negligible price difference between them, but you don't want the smaller one if you're going to only drive with it. But if it's going to be your desk coffee cup, like I work at home, I only have to carry, I don't need a coffee uh, cup holder. My coffee cup holder's name is Olivia. She's six. She just carries them straight up to me and puts them on the desk if I ask her. This thing, not good for, for your car. The 19 ounce, outstanding for the car. And so we got those. My wife and I actually go to church on Sundays and then we have the kids in Sunday school. We sit in the front seat of the car. We drink coffee together and she feeds the baby in the uh, 30 or 40 minutes in between. And we now have matching Patriot Tumblr coffee mugs. So check out the 19 ounce. That's my fave. If you're going to be traveling, it's got a screw on lid. This has a press on lid. Uh, if you want the one that's going to be sitting on your desk, do this one, the 16 ounce. It's plenty of coffee, probably. For most of you, patriotcoolers.com, patriotcoolers.com. You can use promo code Kyle. Again, that gets you that 10% off and it's free shipping. If you order about two of them, that's over. Uh, you got to get over 50 bucks. Okay. Let's press onward. I got derailed. What, what's going on with Chris Ray? We're going to, what's the real threat in this country for people that might be disloyal? Do you have a, do you have a sense of what that looks like based on what we're seeing in the news? Uh, people who might be disloyal. I, I think uh, I put out this week, I actually went back and looked at the agave description okay. that the FBI and the Homeland Security commingled and put out this, I don't know, this report, however they, they labeled it. And it said people who had a perception of government overreach. A perception or of. Perception. Right. Negligence or illegitimacy, which immediately comes to mind. Overreach could be you put a face taper on in order to use public transportation negligence i would argue it's not negligence it's on purpose but they would like to message the fact that we have a wide open southern border as being sort of negligent in their responsibilities to preserve our continuity of our actual border and uh illegitimacy look the largest mail-in ballot operation that we were told was the safest and most secure election in the history of the country uh, obviously rubbed a lot of people the wrong way and a lot of people had think had frankly some very legitimate questions but if you hold any of those perceptions, perceived views, then you might be an anti-government, anti-authority, violent extremist. You might That's indeed, a real threat. You might be. And if, uh, Ryan, if you'll throw up the uh, the article from The Nation, we're just going to show people a little screenshot of what it looks like. Um, a very beta looking, that's a really aggressive looking picture with somebody's green eye, which is quite pretty and very intense camouflage. That is a wrap. That is not how real camouflage paint gets done. No, it is not. Anybody who's ever applied face <laughs> camouflage has never been able to do that intricate thing. That looks like it was printed off in stickers. Uh, but all that being said, they have, uh, they're alleging that military affiliation is the strongest predictor of extremist mass violence in the United States, in the nation. Uh, the story is written by a guy named Jasper Craven. You can't make it up. Jasper Craven looks like he's still in high school, although I'm sure he's out. And for three years, he's actually an expert. He's been writing about the VA. He even wrote a book about our veterans. Uh, he's never been a veteran. He has never served in the military. He doesn't have any law enforcement experience. He doesn't even have any experience walking into a gym where men who were in the military were, from what I can tell. He looks very, very weak. And uh, he writes very strongly about how Lloyd Austin 
was really a great man and he was so troubled because he was at Fort Bragg when there was a skinhead shooting in 1995 and that probably still rocks Lloyd Austin's world, you know, uh, 30 years later. This is the kind of people that are are out there um, reporting on this stuff. But you could not have written a better justification in this left-wing article, this left-wing uh, paper, The Nation, than uh, the, the FBI would just take that right away and some intelligence analyst is going to uh, – extrapolate that. They said, well, we said this thing and then they said this thing and now we're going to go back. This is circular reporting, right? And uh, the circular reporting is, is that we're going to continue onward and attack veterans because they have obviously shown a conservative bias. Now we have, can you throw the FOIA up on the screen here real quick, Ryan? I'll get you to respond to this in a sec here, Steve. The FOIA that we did yesterday is for some information. We are now actively engaging in. We've got a buddy. Uh, this is uh, Steven Stambalia. He's our machine gun lawyer. You guys saw him on the machine gun lawyer episode. He will come back on and talk 2A stuff. But he's also offered to do FOIAs for nothing for us. He is a he is an activist in the way that he wants government transparency, the same way the Kyle Serafin show does. So this just says this is a request for a Freedom of Information Act for a specific uh, meeting that took place that we are being alerted to. There is a congressional disclosure that has happened as of yesterday. This was filed yesterday afternoon. We are actively going to be pushing back on the FBI in the uh, investigative journalist space. Do we do a lot of commentary? Yes. But we're going to bring facts and we're going to bring receipts with it. So this is part of our attempt to make that happen. Um, pretty disgusting that we found out also, and I will get the paperwork on it. This is sort of the, the continuation of Kerry Pickett's story from the other day. The Bureau has basically looked at not getting a COVID vaccine and military service as proxies for conservatives in general, and that's what they're trying to remove. So they targeted people and specifically called out their military affiliation. What do you think about uh, that based on the number of people you knew in the FBI that were military veterans? I just want to be, be sure. Be, let's be very clear. Uh, they think that people who raised their hand and swore an oath that they would die for the country have questionable loyalty to the country. Right. That that's that's the argument. That's the contention. That and they, they think that that is on firm ground. Uh, I, I think you're sort of stretching for a new opportunity, a new target that you can purge out of your ranks, which is why the military has such a crisis right now when it comes to recruiting, because they're not getting the guys from the backwoods of West Virginia or Montana anymore that have a lot of rage and a lot of aggression and testosterone flowing through them at age 18. And they need to channel that into breaking things and killing America's enemies. Instead, they're putting out drag queens to recruit their particular Army and Navy and Air Force and, and just military in general. Here's the thing: Have you seen not, the Have you seen the viral videos that have gone that are all like white guys and Hispanic guys who are uh, in the Army and they're doing like new recruiting videos, leading people to believe yeah. we're going to war? Cheryl Atkinson reported on that uh, a couple weeks ago on Full Measure yep. and, and the length that they're going to to recruit. I mean, they, they can't get people in there who are actually going to be proficient, but they don't necessarily want them. They they want people who are just willing to comply with what they're told to do. And they figure that they have the technology that they don't need to actually have aggressive males. That's, that's why one of my favorite videos from a few weeks ago was that, uh, I think it was an officer OCS training course where he just couldn't scale the wall. It was a basic obstacle course. He physically couldn't do it. And that's that's gonna be to our detriment. Folks, we're, we're gonna lose a war in the not too distant future if, uh, if the current regime continues on, on its current trajectory, yes. Yeah, that's right. Yes.
So let's break this I mean, in here too. Uh, um, we just I saw it in the live chat, and then I'm also seeing it over here on ABC News updating. Uh, go ahead and throw that on the screen there, Ryan. The uh, the individual uh, Gregory Yetman, who was on the run, did not have enough for Patriots emergency food to sustain himself indefinitely, and he surrendered. Now I want you to also do. He turned he himself in. To. He surrendered. The manhunt that went and broke down that shed and all of the SWAT operations and the helicopters and the night vision goggles and all the dudes running around in their pajamas in the in the woods. By the way, what is better? I, I never, I never, never understood why SWAT needs to wear camouflage pajamas. Why is that? Like, I had a guy go, well, what about infill? I'm like, you infill in Washington, D.C. and and Baltimore, which is not in the dark. You're, you're not in Afghanistan, homie. Yeah, in the dark. Well, I mean, they had to do they that. They should because... be wearing day glow like like the Brits do. I actually really like the way the Brits do their this one thing. They wear day glow, like very very bright green, with a sash or like a reflective that says police or whoever you are. If it says FBI or federal agent or whatever, I don't care. It should say something police related. It should be shoulders like suspenders. It should go across the chest. It should be on the back, and it should be obvious that if anyone were to shine a light out, there's nine guys essentially wearing like hazmat suits saying we are from. The organization that we claim because nobody else would look this ridiculous and have this many safety dance outfits. And we're all going to come in and tell you who they are. Like the idea that you need to like infiltrate is the craziest thing I've ever heard. They're either asleep because that's why you're doing it at 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. or you got out outside or you let them know that you're the cops. You already have to do a knock and announce. You already have to turn on the lights. Right. Is there any reason outside of like maybe a guy in an urban hide or maybe like a, a, a rural sniper scenario that somebody has to have camouflage on as an FBI SWAT team member. Can we talk about that real quick? I mean, there's there's the real reason and the reason they give you. They'll give you the reason of, well, we might have to go into this setting in the woods where we're going to have to, I don't know, camouflage. Wait, wait, wait for the guy to turn guy. himself in? Yeah, uh, or, for, or infill <laughs> in the dark. The real reason is uh, most of the guys are doing SWAT want to just play army. They're all counterintelligence, counterterrorism guys who just need to get out of the office, which is fine, fine by me. I mean, like, if you want to train and, and be a professional, be a yep. tactical team, that's awesome. Uh, and then they got to spend the money. They got to justify the budget that they get, that the FBI devotes towards it. So they want to buy the cry uniforms. What and do those then go the for? New, do you know what they go for? Uh, I think it's about 800 tops and bottoms together. Yeah, about an $800 uh, uniform. All those guys that you guys saw on that video, all wearing like $800 worth of... Um, very clean uniforms. It's not like these guys are putting them through the paces for a 14-day patrol in Afghanistan. No, I, and, and look, I, the I, hardest thing that they deal with the, is going into the wash over and over again. After, after there weekly were guys training. on the SWAT team in Omaha that did the uh, the, the Oregon uh, standoff at the the, the bird watching building. Uh, what was that? Two thousand wildlife sanctuary. Yeah, and. I swear they had PTSD. They talked about it for the full five years. It was almost every single time we trained, they were like, yeah, back in Oregon, man. Back in Oregon. Back when we and fired zero shots was, and we sat out there and watched people and just stunk. Like, they, they sat did, on a road for 12 hours a day. They experienced what it's like, like to be in the military. Hours. That's what yeah. it's like to be in the military. It's mostly waiting around for things to happen. Yep. <laughs> like, they, they, anybody enlisted hours, knows they that. They had one car go in and out every day, and then they would drive to like a gas station to get food and... Then they were sleeping in a tent for a while. And then they, they actually wound up getting them hotel rooms eventually that they could cycle like for a couple of days to get like R&R &R away, <laughs> away from their two-week deployment. 
Right. Yeah, no, they needed to get away. They uh they were like, oh man, Pulled I need back from the line. I need French some foot sh- was setting in. <laughs> I need some shore leave. Uh <laughs> let's play this video number 3. This is from Sarah Field. She's a uh, uh journalist in Texas. She's going to describe and her interesting interaction. We've got the doorbell cam. Actually, you know what? Before we do that, let's play video number 6 first if you would, Ryan. Let's play the doorbell camera of FBI agents. This is this is segueing directly into the kind of people that we're bringing into the bureau and that are doing this job. And uh they're coming to, they're coming to your house, folks. Like they're going to come to your house for some reason or another, and they're going to act awkward. We'll talk about why that is. Let's do video number six real quick. My name is Special Agent Grant Mason. I'm with the uh, FBI office here in Tyler, Texas. Is Hoover just like rolling over at this point? Yeah, I mean, I don't think any one of these guys would pass his uh, tapers t- caliper test where he was making sure that he was put into a suit. That dog is really having a hard time. So anyway, if you're not listening, what you're seeing is FBI agents standing wearing plaid shirts and a clipboard, uh, crossing their hands in non-interview position, kind of casually looking around on a reporter's uh, front porch outside of Tyler, Texas. His name is Grant Mason, apparently, per his own introduction. Says he's a special agent with the FBI out of the Tyler RA. Uh, there you go. So why is he doing that? Why People are like, why are they dressed so informally? That's actually pretty common now. But the more I see it, the more I dislike that. I actually dislike it more. Like you and I put on a suit when we go on and do an interview. I actually did, inter- I wore suits when I did interviews, generally speaking. Unless I was on the res, that didn't really make sense. But uh, Yeah, I think Steve Gray... Uh, had points to him for that. He was always professional that the FBI had that image of wearing the suit to work all the time. I, I would I would actually agree with you on the, the reservation. It didn't make a whole lot of sense for you to be wearing a suit. It would actually probably get people to not talk to you. Correct, correct. Yeah, yeah you you want to actually... But I did wear official stuff. I, I wore like a jacket that either had like an FBI patch on it so people could kind of see as I walked up. Um, like either the wind... I had, a, I had my own sort of like windbreaker that was not an FBI one, but it took the FBI patches. But... Um, yeah, I, I, I think tucking your shirt. I mean, that's... That to me would just, it would look better. It just would. I think it, wear a vest, it's not wear a jacket, wear a coat, wear mm-hmm. a sport coat. Like they teach you that at sport Quantico. Coat. You can wear khakis and put a sport coat on. You look like a doofus, but you look like a fed. <laughs> Link it's Which thing. is what you're going for. What, 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 what do they call it? They call it um, business tactical. Do you remember that? No, but I'm going to adopt it. Oh God, it's so stupid. Yeah, but they call it business tactical, where you're wearing like khaki and, and your five eleven issued pants, knockoff yeah. pants that the, shrunk as soon as you put them in the wash. I bought my own, so I don't know. I, yeah, oh, okay. I, as, as you can imagine, I, I don't. I, I was, was like, a cop making sixteen dollars an hour. I, I was just, like, this is inferior gear. I'm, <laughs> I'm not wearing this inferior gear. I'm going to wear something better. I didn't even have a job before we went in there, but um, <laughs> yeah, they they call it business tactical. You're wearing like boots. Uh, some kind of like running boots, like Solomon's or something. You're wearing 5'11 pants with cargo, and then you got your gun belt, and then you've got your you know dress shirt and your tie and your uh, and your your uh, sport coat on top of it. Business tactical. I, I can't re- believe I forgot that. It's really stupid, really silly. Uh, long and short of it is, these guys are showing up looking slovenly. They're going and they're bothering her. She actually put out a video on this. I'm going to play the first probably minute and a half of it, so you guys get a taste of what was going on with her. They hammer called this woman because they're trying to get her to reveal sources, and this is something that I think is really why the bureau is. These guys, I think they're actually embarrassed about what they're doing, but they're being directed to go out and do it, and that's why they're being so shady. Uh, listen to her description of it. Video number three. Go ahead and run that, Ryan. And we're going to be wrapping up here a little bit, but uh, let's let's at least get this out. My there. name is Sarah Fields. I'm a Texas activist. 
a constitutional government advocate here in Texas. I work in legislation. I'm also an investigative journalist for the Publica. What is happening to me and my family as Americans on American soil is not okay. A few weeks ago, the FBI showed up at my door. They did not want information about the stories that I share. They did not want further information or details about the information that I've shared about the border. With boots on the ground experience, they wanted me to out my sources. After the first time they came to visit me, I wasn't here. They then called me on my cell phone later on that day. We didn't give them my cell phone number. And wanted further information at about, about a specific story that I shared about a few weeks ago about a Hamas training camp across the border from uh, Brownsville, Texas. I told them that I would never give them a source which would compromise and possibly place my source in danger, but that they were welcome to look up a conference that was held in 2021 where this exact thing was actually discussed. They then told me that they were uncomfortable talking about this on the phone and wanted to meet me in private. So I always tell people that when I would get new guys out of the academy, I don't know if they're teaching them this way. These guys are obviously not new guys. Those guys look pretty salty and they got like uh, spare tires around their belly. So they're no Steve friends. Uh, but let, let it, let's put it this way. These new guys would come out and they would say the same thing that they were being taught by some of the senior I don't know, senior agents that that go to the academy who are never the best, by the way. Anybody who teaches in an academy, military folks, you know what I'm talking about. Most law enforcement know. You don't get to train people at the academy by being the best at what you do. You're usually Those the most- Those can't do teach. They, they go straight to the academy and they just, they, they just waste time for people. So the thing that's interesting is they would all come out and I'd say, let's role play because I don't want you to embarrass me as we go knock on this door um, or I'm going to go to somebody's office and I don't want you to embarrass me. And I watched guys who were quote unquote senior agents to me. They were often younger than me because I came in at 35. So I'd have a 28 or 29 year old, you know, agent who has four years of experience, who's going to take me and show me how to go interview somebody, even though I used to like make a living knocking on doors and calling people on the phone. Very weird. But we go out there and they all would do the same thing. I'd say, let's role play. Don't embarrass me. It's a big thing in the paramedic world and in, in the emergency medical world to do role play. It's like, Steve, you're a 36 year old pregnant female complaining of abdominal pain. Um, ready to go. And so I'll come up and I'll be like, how are you doing, ma'am? And you'll be like, oh, I'm hurting. You know, like we role play. So you know how to talk to people. And you don't make a fool of yourself. So I tried to do it with these guys. I swear, they would all say the same thing. Knock, knock, knock. It's like, uh, hello. And they would go, hi, uh, I'm Steve Friend. I'm from the FBI. Um, your name came across my desk. I'd like to ask you some questions. And I would go, <clears throat> what do you mean my name came across your desk? And they would go, um, well, your name came across my desk and I have to ask you some questions here. And I'd say, do you have like a conveyor belt with just like, you know, like the sushi things that have the names on it or is it a ticker like wall street where they're just running names across you just pick it's them. a lazy how, susan just how, keeps going around how, in how did how did my name run across your desk and they would go <laughs> well um uh, uh time out seraphine can i just start over <laughs> can i just start over please and i'm like yeah you can but like why are you saying things that don't have meaning how about knock, knock, knock? I'm Kyle Serafin. I work counterterrorism for this field office. Um, I have an investigation. You are either a potential witness. You are a potential subject. You are someone that I would like to ask for information. You have every right to say no, and I will go away, and I won't take it personally. But if you're willing to, I'd love to talk to you for a few minutes. I have a couple questions, and you might be able to clear them up here. We can do that here. And if you'd like an attorney, which you definitely don't need, but I don't oppose you paying for it, you can always call me back, and I'll be willing to leave my card. Real simple. 
That's transparent. And that's and, and th th look at the FBI Academy. There's this whole thing about you have to build rapport with people. You have to ask them about their children and their background. And and then when it comes time to confess, because you've connected, they'll give you the information you want. And I was so similar to you where I said not wasting their time and throwing these meaningless phrases is rapport building because they know that I'm about a certain thing. I'm mission focused and then I'm going to get out of their hair because who wants to talk to the police? Nobody's having a good day if they're talking to the police. That's right. And so it's like, let's look, we could do this on a schedule. You can come and see me. I can come back and see you. The reason these guys apparently were asking, I think, for her to come into the field office and they're not comfortable with her being on the phone is because Texas is a one-party consent state and that it's very easy to reach over. I've got one sitting on my desk over there. I can reach over and grab my recorder, put it on speakerphone and record everything they say, which I may or may not have done to somebody in the FBI if you go back to the beginning of my channel. And... And then suddenly they're going to be compromised saying stupid things and acting awkwardly and stupid when they're trying to get information that they either shouldn't be able to do because it's First Amendment protected activities like freedom of the press and trying to get these sources or they're going to say some really dumb things or they're going to they're going to embarrass themselves because they're not good at their job and they're not confident that it's going to stand up to scrutiny. They're going to say dumb phrases like your name came across my desk, which is embarrassing for me. I would be very embarrassed. Like I said, that's why I made kids role play. Long and short, they want her in the field office where she goes through the metal detector, your your electronics have to get checked in and all that kind of stuff where they can control the environment and then they don't have to record it either. And then they can just say, well, you know, we wrote a 302 of it. Um, you want to talk about the uh, the sort of assessments that go on to try to dig up sources and what these things may be because a lot of people have no idea how this sort of the levels of investigation that the FBI conducts. Yeah, this this visual this video reminded me of the type five assessment. The type five assessment essentially is an investigation of an innocent American. It's done the same way. You build up a dossier on the person because you want to have as much information as you can on them to deem if they are good or bad as a potential confidential human source, like a potential informant snitch for you. You find out where their pressure points are, where their vulnerabilities are, the access they might have, and then you ultimately decide, is this person good or not? So essentially the FBI winds up investigating an innocent person uh, to manipulate them and exploit them, exploit their access to information to further its own mission. And the reason that I was reminded of that is included in the confidential human sources for the FBI and folks should be aware, the FBI can recruit attorneys, it can recruit clergy, it can recruit journalists, which is clearly this woman here who has access and has her own sources, and the FBI might have been putting a tickler out to her to become a confidential human source, give us your sources, and you'll work for Uncle Sam. And then the other one I'll also add to that is the FBI can recruit minors as confidential human sources, and they don't need mom and dad's consent which is really terrifying. I want to uh, reiterate the fact that there is no criminal implication. There's no allegation that you're involved in a crime for them to be able to open a full investigation under the type five and not a full investigation, sorry, to open all the tools they have for a type five assessment to evaluate you as a potential source. They don't have to actually accuse you of anything, but they still get all the tools. And once that can evolve into a criminal investigation, if they say, oh, whoa, you might be engaging in something, and now we have a process going, and I'm going to ask you a question, and oh, I think you might have lacked candor. You've obstructed my investigation. Thousand one charge. Right, the Michael Flynn routine. The other thing that's really fun is, is that they can open a full investigation into you. We would have full investigations where we didn't know the name of the subject, but we knew the name of the victim. And you can use all the same tools that you would have looking for the subject, looking for the victim. So, for example, if you were a person defrauded out of a million dollars and I was opening a case on that million dollar fraud, it would name you as victim. 
Your name would be in the case file. Your name would be the lead of that file. And then I would have tools to look into your bank records, whether you gave them to me or not. And if I found out, well, you know, Steve is also doing some real shady things with money, or maybe he's involved in something else. Uh, it looks like he might be supporting some group we don't like. That could spawn off other investigations because we are already there and we have a lawful purpose to go into your stuff. People, the FBI does not need a $300 million headquarters. It's really scary stuff. We'll have to do it again on another day where we talk about that. We still hopefully got some time. They're not going to be breaking ground on the FBI headquarters anytime soon. But uh, go ahead and uh, plug your stuff. Let people know where they can follow you. And I also put your book in the uh, description and the show notes so people can say that. But you can tell them where to find it. You can find me on social media, Truth Social at real underscore Steve Friend on Twitter slash X at real Steve Friend. I work for the Center for Renewing America. I am a fellow for them. AmericaRenewing.com has a lot of good material there. Uh, my book is still pinned to the top of all my social media profiles. Drew Blue, my journey from beat cop to suspended FBI whistleblower, trying to get that back into the, the top echelon, especially going into Christmas. It's an easy read. It's a fun read. I think it's pretty enlightening. And uh, I hope everybody has a fantastic weekend. I will be going to Coweta County, Georgia, to give a speech there for a group. And I'm looking forward to seeing all those people in the Atlanta area. Outstanding. And also, it's a book that the FBI didn't want you to write. They requested that you redact at least 40 pages of that thing. And uh, and you chose to not do that because we believe in transparency here. And I know you do, too. Very much like you, I recorded my conversations with FBI executives and the transcript is in the book. <laughs> Folks, check out the book uh, on Amazon. Steve, it's always good seeing you, buddy. I look forward to talking to you probably a little bit later on this weekend. And I hope you have a good one. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you've been watching The Kyle Serafin Show. It's streamed live from Liberty Hill, Texas at 0, 930 Eastern Time, which is 830 here in Texas. America went a little bit long, but we always do with my buddy Steve. Let's say thanks to one more person. If you guys want to check out uh, MyPillow, you can go to MyPillow.com slash Kyle. As he said, Christmas is coming up. People are ordering towels, ordering sheets. You can use my promo code the same as you'd use anybody else's. You get the best discounts that are available. There's the uh, the site that Ryan has just pulled up for you. I, I was just listening to Mike Lindell talk about the towels the other day. They have a different kind of cotton in them. I'm not an expert on these kind of things. However, if you are, and this is your jam, and you like the percale sheets like my folks do, if you like uh, the uh, the slippers, which I'm, my slippers are about done. I'm probably going to have to tell them to. I think they'll actually just send me some. They're really nice people over at the MyPillow. Anyway, MyPillow.com slash Kyle. Use the promo code Kyle if you're on the website already and get yourself the discounts that are available it supports our show. They give us a percentage of sales, so we appreciate that. And uh, really nice people over there. I was just on Lindell TV with Garrett and with Steve last night, so he also supports this entire Brendan House show. We're on there all the time. They let us come on and uh, share our message and share things that we're pitching. And uh, obviously, we appreciate all of you guys. If you guys want to get a message shared, you can do it by leaving us a five-star review on Apple. You want to do the Apple review first? Let's do that first. Today's one is from John J. 69er. Okay, there you go. It says, thank you, five stars. Thank you for having the guts and the morals to give up your career and exposing from firsthand knowledge what our top law enforcement agency has become. Hopefully, if you listen to the show, you've realized that the FBI is actually not the top law enforcement agency in any way, shape, or form. What they are is the self-proclaimed premier law enforcement agency, and then they go about their day doing everything they can to prove otherwise, including a multi-day manhunt where the guy just surrenders himself. Uh, let's throw up the uh, the Rumble Ranch that we had on there. One from Beth B1. 
What's the deal with the pedo ring that supposedly broke up yesterday? We'll look into it over the weekend. I'm a big fan of the Bongino rule as well. 24, 48 hours. We see what it's all about. We'll tap our sources and see what's going on there. So we'll get back to you on that one, Beth. And uh, Tack Penis saying veterans like us tend to tell people not to join these days because military leadership is an abomination. No doubt about it. It is very hard to recommend that to your kids right now. And lastly, $50 from Chris W. TC007 saying, love you guys. We love you. We really appreciate it. The show is for you guys. If you like it, give it a thumbs up on Rumble. Rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin is where we live, where the live chat is, where you guys are always bumping. And it's starting to get so fast that it's hard to see. So join us on Rumble. Use the slow chat if you need to. And then uh, you can share this on all your favorite social media. We'll be posting this on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio very shortly. And we appreciate you guys supporting the show in such a big way. I hope you have a blessed weekend. Uh, a happy Veterans Day to all my friends who are veterans. Thank you for your service. Thank you for loving this country. Even when the government is the problem, we still love this country, as someone told me the other day. In fact, most people who have served this country are very disappointed with the uh, the agencies they've served, but that doesn't take away from you, the people that are out there that we served and we signed up to do. So go out there and take care of your neighbors, y'all. We love you. God bless. See you on Monday morning. Thanks for listening to the Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.